Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Disneyland. <laughs> this is my daily life. <laughs> I, I need to hang out with him more because I could really have some fun with him. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I was creeping me out right there. <laughs> okay. Jeff Compton, how you doing? Good, buddy. You? Peachy. Peachy. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Last night, yeah. you and I had a conversation mm-hmm. about training in Canada. Yep. And and we're at ASE, mm-hmm. uh, 2023. Yeah. And you pointed out there's not a lot of training in Canada. Not to this level. Not of something that I'm aware of that is this kind of destination event that has. And this is not even the largest destination event, right? Yeah. When people were talking about the numbers at some of the other shows, I was like, they get bigger than this? Yeah. Because even look how much bigger this is now compared to yeah. last year. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's blowing up. Yep. 100%. But, I don't know of anything that's in Canada that rivals this. Well, so what we did is we messaged Murray Voth last night. We went to dinner. Yep. Uh, I took my whole team out to dinner. You went with us. David went with us. And and so we were talking about this, and I messaged Murray. Mm -hmm. um, And I said, hey, uh, I've got a lot of folks interested in a Canada event, say Toronto. Any interest from folks in your area? And he said, what type of event? I said, something similar to ASTE. And he said, this will take a long answer. I would have to ask around. We do have events here in Canada. They're usually smaller and more regional, and in some cases, poorly attended. We are a huge country geographically. Travel is about double what it is in the U.S., and our whole population is less than California. I think it would be great, but you would have to bring out a big marketing machine to make it fill up and even break even. There's also a cultural thing. Progressive Canadian shops love coming down to hang out with their cool American cousins. The folks at home are just plain boring. You have to think, why do we have Canada Night at Apex? Best automotive networking event ever, sponsored by AIA. That's our auto care association. Vegas is more central than anywhere in Canada and very cheap to get to. And so when you hear that, he says, we have about 16,000 shops in Canada. There's over 200,000 in the U.S. Right. When you hear that, what do you think? Well, I think that, Okay, that's great that they do a Canada night mm-hmm. at Apex. First of all, we're talking about ASTE, right? And then second of all, it's like, yeah, he makes a lot of good points about the size of geographically. It's, But when we say about Toronto, Toronto, like I've, I've you know, talked about with you guys for a while, is the hotbed of the country. Yeah. It's for all intents and purposes. It's like California and New York plumped oh. in the middle. And so... Unfortunately, I think if you had any success of it, 
of, of making it financially feasible, you'd have to do it near Toronto. Right. Because you could get enough attendance there without people having to jump on a plane and fly. Right. You're going to get a lot. There's, there's probably enough shops in Toronto that would attend. But somebody on the West Coast, I mean, that's like 2,000 miles of driving to get to. They'd fly. They'd have to fly. Yeah. I had to fly to here. Sure. I didn't drive down. I didn't walk. You know, like I, they're going to have to fly. And that's the thing. People are going to have to make that commitment. But the point is, is that if you were to hold it in like Vancouver, if you were to hold it, for instance, if you hold it in Quebec, well, that's never going to work. It's just yeah. a lot of, and Murray knows about why that wouldn't work. It's just a different demographic in terms of the whole business within Quebec. It doesn't, they, what we talk about the trade certification around the rest of the country, yeah. it just skips over Quebec. They don't right. follow it. So if you, if it has a chance to work, it would have to be done in Toronto. Okay. Right. Or Ottawa. Is it, is there enough engagement in Canada to, to get that? And, and it, so let, let's back up and, and cover why we're talking about this, right. right? Because we're talking about the fact there are some people in Canada mm-hmm. who can't come across the border. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that seems odd to me, but you know, I get it. Makes mm-hmm. sense. But they're unable to attend right. this training. Yes. And it seems like there's very, very little training there. Now he sent me some information. He, he sent me a uh he sent me a email and I've forwarded this to you so you have it. Okay. Um, but he sent me an email about an upcoming event. Let's go over here. Um and so it's the AARO Symposium and Trade Show. Yes. Right? I'm and so familiar. do you know about that? Have you ever heard of that? I'm familiar with it. But then what I think it had more to do with what I remember is that it seemed to be more collision repair based okay. than traditional what you and I would think of when we think about a shop that needs to attend an event like this. We don't immediately think of a body shop. Yeah. Right? We think about like a, a shop that you run or a shop that you run or a shop that I work in. So – I, I, I'll admit I have not done my due diligence to follow what AARO has yeah. been doing in, a, in America because I've been so immersed in what's been going on within the industry from this pocket that we're in, right? Your, your America. So that's been lax on me in trying to understand. So it's, it's maybe not fair when I say that we don't have events in Canada. Yeah. No, we don't have events the size of this. Yeah. And this is even like small yeah. Compared to how many people are in NC. We were oh, yeah. talking about that last night. Absolutely. They don't even bother to attend this. Yeah. That Thousands. to me is just crazy. Thousands. You can drive to this and they don't bother to show up. Yeah. Now, and that's why I say in Toronto, if you, because you're going to get a large population of shops that would drive, say, from Ottawa. Yeah. That's a four hour drive. You might get some that will make the trip from Ottawa or Montreal, excuse me. It's about a six hour drive to Toronto. Right. Do I think a whole lot of people on the West Coast are going to fly in? Probably not. A lot of people from the East Coast flying, probably not. But you would get a very good representation of the shops um, if it was held in Toronto. If you held it out in the West, say in Alberta, that's yeah. a that's a different business model out in Alberta too. It's you're talking oil sands country. You're talking it's a very different way of doing how they set up their business versus how most shops in Canada that we know it. Our, our, their businesses are set up. So I think, unfortunately, if we're going to do it, we have to do it in Toronto. Toronto's expensive. Why is there such low demand for training, right? Because, like, there, there's a ton of shops in North Carolina. There's yeah. shops right down the street. And, and we know some of them. We were talking about Val last night couldn't be here. Yeah. 
talking about a lot of people yeah. that I know that work for shops and are now we're not interested. Yeah. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. There's members of this association who aren't even coming to this event. Yeah. To me, that sounds insane. Right? Is it? Why would they not come? It happens with vision, too. You, you go to shop to shop at the most of the shops in the Kansas City area view vision as an expo. So they think, oh, I'm just going to look at some tools and they don't know the training aspect of it. Right. Yeah. If, if they even know about it. Right. And the tool guys will go out and will hand out quote unquote free tickets to the expo. To so get they never realize up. there's training. Yeah. They, they don't realize that this is a training and networking event. Mm hmm that happens to also have an expo it's not an expo that has some other ancillary stuff attached to it and i bet you that the event in toronto that murray's speaking of is probably much more like you said just kind of an expo right you walk around you look at the and from my standpoint of how i think and it's not i don't want to go and walk around a trade show for a day and look at the newest scanner that I might have already seen a video on on YouTube a month yeah. before just to see it in person, right? I'm not interested in that. If I'm going to make a destination event and leave my shop, I want to come home with knowledge about how to run that shop better. Yeah, I don't need to sell. If they really want to sell me the tool that bad, they'll come into the shop and try to um, sell me the but tool. At the same time, though, it's there's value to the expos. Oh. If you go and, and talk to the individual vendors, you get their pitch. You, you, you'll you see some smaller vendors that don't have the budget to go mm-hmm. shop to shop or mm-hmm. don't have the budget to put content out on YouTube and Facebook and all that stuff. You, they just don't, they don't do that. It's, it's much smaller. It's niche. And they do show up to events like this. There's a guy. I don't think it was here. I think it's a vision. There's a guy that shows up to vision. He does like circuit board repair equipment. That's cool. Yeah. And he's got a tiny little booth. It's in the corner. Yeah. That is as niche as you're going to get. He does like the magnifying thing and then the small little doodads. I don't don't know. That guy shows up. He's been there the last three or four years. 
his he's not on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You don't see his Facebook yeah, ads popping up. That's he's true. not he shows up to that show and I guarantee you the people that that want to see what he's putting out are going to go see him at Vision. Right. Yeah. And you know, kudos to him for thinking of the automotive industry and thinking because that's, you know, he does it's circuit board repair. Sure, so you could apply it to more and yeah, cell phones exactly. or whatever else. But he's showing up to the automotive industry because there's a huge market and there is a demand there. Yeah. There's just not enough people doing it for there to be this huge um, ask. So you're going to see vendors like that at expos that you're not going to see mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah. You're just not going to meet them. So there's going to be a lot of... may not even know that product Yeah, exists. so there's a lot of exactly. solutions. Okay. There are a lot of solutions out there that are already like developed and tested and they know they work and... All you have to do is actually go and attend. But see, uh, going back to the the expo versus the thing, I when I was here last year, I probably walked the whole trade side of AST in about forty five minutes. Yeah, it wasn't something well, that I spent a lot four smaller. Hours. You're not doing Apex in forty five right. minutes. Yeah, you no, can't I, even walk the floor in forty five. minutes. Yeah, yeah. you're you're going to spend four to eight hours. Yeah, walking the floor. You're not going to have a meaningful conversation for absolutely everybody. So it, it's almost like you got to get a vendor list. I'm not talking about SEMA. I'm talking about Apex. Mm-hmm. SEMA is a whole different world. Right. You're going to spend three days between Apex and SEMA yeah. just walking the floor, just looking at equipment. Yeah. And the chance of you seeing every booth that's there, just walking past every booth that's yeah, there. It's not zero right. percent. It's and there's so much, there's so many uh, smaller vendors with small pieces of equipment that you're like, man, that is a great solution to this problem. I know yeah. we have had. Mm-hmm. I've, I've said it before. The, 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 booth with the plastic push pin clips right mm-hmm. and the fact that that you walk up and and they have a massive selection of them and things that you wouldn't think they're they're the company that makes them for the manufacturers right. yeah and so they're like hey we've got these and these are like the 90 percent of everything in the american cars everything that's here you can get 90 percent with this box mm-hmm. right here right and so that's not available anywhere else you can go to any parts store you can look up any website and they're all like divided out well they've they've made that based on the cars that are here in the u.s well i mean that's huge because it saves you a ton of time a ton of aggravation in the shop and it makes you more efficient well it's things like that that you're not going to see yeah and and here's the other thing talking about sema and apex when you go to sema and apex you come to this trade show and and there's a lot of people here who are in the know or connected with home base well but when you go to SEMA and Apex, you're talking to the decision makers for that company. Right. Yeah. And so especially as a business owner, it's a whole different discussion now, right? Because now we're really talking about, hey, I've had this issue with this product. Yeah. Or, hey, a product like this could solve my problem. And and you're going to buy equipment, right? And and I, I've told you about, you know, when we started setting up the shop mm-hmm. and I'm looking for equipment, when we were doing all that, I'm going through and I'm like, oh, I was getting ready to buy this, but now that I look at that, yeah, look at this list. You make a different choice. That may hold yeah. up. This I understand the other why. thing too is you get to introduce yourself, especially and and the show in 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 Canada there in Toronto may not be the size and scope of Apex or SEMA, but you do introduce yourself to vendors that you did know existed. Yeah. Especially in my neck of the woods, everybody sells the same like three wheel bearings mm-hmm. and then that's it. You may not like those three brands. They're just, they're not good. Right. And so what do you do then? Well, you go back to OE. 
Well, somebody's making it for the OE. Sure. Well, there at Apex or SEMA, you end up finding out like, hey, those really great Honda wheel bearings that never fail, we make them. Mm-hmm. And we also have an aftermarket line that isn't badged Honda or whatever. Right. And you're like, oh, that's fantastic. Why didn't I know about this? Yeah. Now you can search them out online. Now you or you can tell your local part supplier, hey, why aren't you carrying this? This yeah. is crazy. 100%. So that that is a that is a spin to to the whole trade show thing. It doesn't have to be necessarily just training, and I think you get enough demand for training at the event. Hey, while we're here, I'd like to bring the techs. But that's a whole discussion in and of itself. Is the is shutting down the shop, bringing yeah. all the techs to a shop? That that's a huge commitment, <clears throat> huge mm-hmm. commitment. And I I think most shops shy away from something like that uh i've done it you you're doing it right now mm-hmm. which makes sense this is like your home base here it i i think your approach your approach of taking one person to a show i think that's a smarter thing yeah because it it, it does allow them an opportunity to see different shows to go to different training events and and every training event has its own flavor of training. Yeah. Like it, it's one thing for like a Brandon Seckler to go to six different shows and put the same class at six different shows. Yeah. That's fine. You take six different people, you could attend all six shows and everybody can attend that class. Yeah. Or they're putting on different classes, a different, you maybe take two, one or two of your people and they, Hey, this is a new class that a Jim Morton's putting on. Nobody's seen this class before. It's new and it's going to debut at this right. show. Yeah. yeah. Let's make sure 100%. we go. And you don't have to shut the shop down necessarily right. for that. Because that, that, that's a chunk of revenue. Oh, you lose a it's chunk so of revenue. It's terrible. Yeah, it is. It's it's grotesque, the amount of money you give up. Um, but, you know, that's the other thing, too, is if you budget for it at the beginning of the year and you say this is this is my estimated cost because it's lost revenue plus expenses it's not just expenses yeah so it's lost revenue plus expenses that becomes the expense line and then that pushes up your top line revenue to a different number to a higher number now you can know okay we need to average this per week every week in order to make this viable for next year so there, there are ways around it. I, I don't don't dismiss the trade shows necessarily, and and then talk to the to the people who put the show together and say, hey, I think we would benefit from having because the 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 trade show idea in Canada is that if you were to hold one tomorrow in Toronto, for instance, what you would see immediately is it would become. I feel there's a risk of become very tire heavy because okay. tire. We've talked about how the tire thing drives the market in Canada. Yeah, like, like when I was waiting, it drives to, it here too. I think it's your biggest shops in this country are, are tire, tire stores. Short, but yeah, it's yeah. it's ours is from a seasonal thing. Eric Merchant and I were waiting to get on the plane yesterday to fly from Charlotte into Raleigh, and he was asking me, and I was just talking about how the new shop here. You know, we're starting to see it already start to ramp up, and you can yeah. see my boss starting to tense up because it's like it's chaos, right? If we were to hold a trade show, we would have to almost like yes, it'd be vendors. But you're going to see a whole lot of vendors of like Chinese tires, and then yeah. different uh, different unknown tire machines, tire equipment, right? All yeah. this kind of stuff. What I want to bring, if I'm going to bring it, if I'm going to get involved in getting a, a, a 
a, an event happening in Canada that I can be behind. I want to see a Cecil come to it. Yeah. I want to see you guys yeah, come to it. That's what we're saying. I, what I'm saying is leverage what you already got. So to put together an event from scratch, from scratch, and is is a monumental task. Right. And it's not even yep. it's not even the logistics. The logistics are are one component of it. It's it's a ton of little nuanced things that you can't even imagine. The other aspect of it is I still gotta get people there. Mm-hmm. How am I marketing? What's my budget? I don't have a budget, so I've got to float this. The association has money coming in, at least from memberships, that they can go. Okay, I've got this much money. I know that this will generate this much revenue. Yeah. Yep. But even then, like you have to go out and you're driving from shop to shop to shop and hitting them three or four times before you'll get them to commit. And then it's got to be reasonable enough that they can say, okay, I can spend the money or I can shut the shop down for a day or whatever, whatever. It like leverage what you already have like that's where you go to the what is it aarc or a whatever aaro aaro yeah yeah you go to aaro and say hey i think i can get i can get a classroom full of technicians here if you have a brandon steckler show up right or if you get a cecil here i can get 30 shop owners here for a day Mm -hmm. for an eight-hour class start there you start there and they start to see demand They'll, you, they will blow make up. the shift, right? They will make up. the shift. Yeah. Okay. And it might not be because they want people there. But if you you approach it and say, hey, I can add an additional component to this because it works in the States. Right. Why wouldn't it work here? Apex was expo heavy and then shifted towards yep. we want to start introducing training yep. and they're bringing in people and they're attracting trainers into the. So it's not, it's been done. It's being done. Yeah. Leverage what you got. I mean, don't start from scratch. Like I said, don't buy the buy the shop. Don't start the shop. Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> you just need a red barn. That's right. Exactly. I no, think. I'm saying that unless you have a red barn, don't try it out on your own. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Is it really? Yes. What it's you, a nightmare. You scratch and claw, and then you know what you end up with? Tax debt. Tax debt. If you would pay it when it's due... Also, uh, if I don't have the money, one and two, uh, even if I did have the money, I have a, a a philosophical predisposition to avoiding it Mm -hmm. and not worrying about it until the fifth or sixth letter as they start to get more pointed in their language. (laughs) That's when you go. Can you tell me what more pointed is? When they, I, he actually starts to feel special. Like they're when actually I, calling I, him by name saying, <laughs> you need to confirm and toe the line. Taxation is theft, right, David? Is that what Taxation is theft. There you go. It I, is. I saw that on somebody's t-shirt yesterday. And I saw that too. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. I told that's him, I said, a, hey, that's if a libertarian David sees mantra. That, <laughs> you guys don't know that? That's a libertarian mm-hmm. mantra. Taxation is theft. I'm just surprised that's David also what didn't you take a shirt. Or that's Exactly. Also, yeah. No, that that would just be theft, just straight theft. That's done. Of the shirt, but you'd be making a statement. David. What? If you stole the gentleman's shirt that said taxation is theft and then wore it, you'd be making a statement. I'd steal his shirt? Yeah, because no. it says taxation is no, theft. That violates the libertarian principle. Hey, everyone, it's Lucas. I'm sorry to jump in, but I thought it was important to come and say this. 
You know, I'm often asked, why do we always talk about Kim and Brian Walker and shop marketing pros on the show? It's because we genuinely believe in their product. Why do I use them for my own marketing? In fact, they're building me a new website right now. It's not cookie cutter. I kept getting on Facebook and every shop looked the exact same. I didn't want to be that. And it's not just that. It's that they're part of your team. When you hire them to do your marketing, they get to know you. They know what you believe. They know what you say and they know why you do what you do. And they share that with your clients. That's huge. And beyond all of that, probably the most important factor in all of this is they stand behind their work. So don't wait. Go today and get your free marketing analysis from Shop Marketing Pros. They're genuinely our friends and they're genuinely here to help shop owners have a better life. Click on the link in the show notes for your free marketing analysis today. That's right. It's free. doesn't cost you a dime. Well, you do no harm. It's the non-aggression principle. Like You don't. NAP. Little guys are always all about non-aggression. Why is that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, not meaning you're little. I'm not, I'm not little. Say I'm that. average size. That's right. Yeah. Us Sasquatches <laughs> over here on this side of the table. <laughs> we recorded... We recorded the other day. <laughs> he said, I'm going to tell you right now that five and a half is average. And everybody in the room turned around and looked at him and said, average was what? About? He said, height. <laughs> Me? Yeah. No. You had I to said, put the specification I, in. I, I, I said five foot, five foot seven is average height. Yeah. Okay. So, so everybody's short to you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So. No. In, no, this can be the full thing. In going forward. <laughs> With this, so uh, I need to reach out to AARO and yeah. start to actually talk to people. I need that- to reach out to Murray Voth. Okay. Right. Because Murray is the person who, in your neighborhood, is going to have the connections <clears throat> with the people who can make the difference. Yeah. He's the person who's going to be able to connect you in a, in a meaningful way and say, hey, let's work together to make something happen here. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's how that happens. I am glad you came up with a good solution. Speaking of solutions, I'd like your reaction to this comment. Okay. On the boob tube. The YouTube. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, you there's may, a, there you is make me a, super nervous pouring liquids around no, thousands and thousands this. of dollars of equipment. I got this, bro. You I've seen me. how clumsy you are. I, I am clumsy, but not. <laughs> so not the comment liquids. was what? I was going to mention okay. there is a, a freedom freedom loving alternative to YouTube that is based out of Canada. Hmm. Yeah, I was not aware. It's called Rumble. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So I've seen Rumble. Yeah. Yeah. You into Rumble? Not really. They're trying to cancel Rumble. And see, well, are you not freedom loving? I yet. Do you like censorship, dude? Have you not been paying attention to what I've been posting the last three years? There's know. there's not too many people that have been like so turned around sideways, <laughs> upside down about what is happening. We just talked about Bill, I want to say it's C-18. What that means is like if I try to pull up Canadian news as a Canadian citizen on my phone, I can't see it. Well, there's a post made in ASAP. Why is that? Bill C-18. You can't see it because... The meta and... And my government uh-huh. said that there's some kind of royalties that weren't being paid for the news, so they stopped showing it on Meta in Canada. That's the that's the official statement. That's not a that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
isn't the the news uh, mostly um, uh, government funded? Well, sure it is. Yeah, we're definitely one hundred percent. But at the same time, still, when we see a snafu, like we were talking about just the other day before we turn today before we turn the mic on, right? With the whole thing that happened in the House of Commons the other day, you're you not can gonna talk s- about it. You can, you can. I don't want to make a because uh, uh, I'm not. I didn't do enough research to know exactly okay. what happened. But see, that's not showing up on my newsfeed. A month ago, it would have. It would have been all over my newsfeed from every major news supplier that would have. Is been it because like, it's critical to the government? It was like it didn't cast the best light on them, and so it doesn't show up, or it just doesn't show up at all. They change legislation; it, it doesn't show up at all. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. That I can go. Weird. I have to if I want to see something that happened from CBC. Right, uh, in television program up here, news. Pro- I have to find it on TikTok to then be able to share it to Facebook. That's pretty crazy, right? Because otherwise, Meta and something to do with Bill C eighteen. I'd be I'd be sketched out if anything popped up on TikTok that wasn't popping up on everything else. Like this is this is I trying know, to drive a specific could you, narrative. Could you please put that lid on that before I have a panic attack? I'm, I'm just I'm trying to get it the the fuzzy <laughs> oh. to go down. The fuzzy. <laughs> That's what he says to his wife pretty often. <laughs> Trying to get the fuzzy to go down before we go to bed. <laughs> Can you help me with my fuzzy? <laughs> but wait so, a minute. He calls you fuzzy. <sighs> I call you fluffy. Yeah. He calls he ca- me fuzzy. He calls you fuzzy. Oh, so. cool. All right. I, I'll wear that. I don't mind. I'm not ashamed. It's cool. <laughs> so, you know, here's the thing. Jeff, you're a sweet guy. Yeah. And you believe his nonsense. Oh, I don't believe it. I'm in it full. I'm to completely committed. That's the problem. I'd follow that train to hell. I'll tell you I've that right t- now. That's the problem. I'm just telling you, just don't listen to anything he has to say. It's nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so the comment then you were speaking of is oh, that okay, just about sorry no we got off on a on a tangent yeah. about canadian politics and censorship and stuff whether i endorsed it and you had to even ask the question <laughs> okay <clears throat> i want to do my best here you want me to read it yeah no you put too much like like you like swing too much in your voice okay. i i need something more monotone and depressing that would be you <laughs> you do nail that one. <laughs> he means natural, not not monotone yes, and not depressing. Natural, no radio voice. You're definitely all natural. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh. You can read this. <laughs> and the wheels. I had off. so many comments the, I wanted to say. I'm like, the, this is wildly inappropriate. The comments that are popping in my head. And I'm like, no, bloop, let's go ahead and not say that. <laughs> bloop, let's go ahead and not say that. This is every episode. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, that was a little bit of self censorship there. I, I made sure. And, and, you know, here's the thing not to say what I was thinking. We get a lot of flack because, like, People want us to be like on topic and talking about one thing, but but you know the reality that is that was one guy. The one guy who hadn't you know you know who you blame? Paul Danner. Because Paul Danner, anytime Paul Danner mentions our podcast, that's the other thing too. Uh, we need to make sure we say, Hey, 
Paul, thank you for growing our audience because yeah. every single time he mentions us, yeah, for sure. Look what we he's done blow for, up. Look what he's done for the me in the last three weeks. Yeah, it's amazing what? what Paul's done for my. Yeah, podcast it's crazy. Like it's been more than once, dear. It's been like three or four times. But I think uh, David, I said in the last three or four weeks, he takes the credit for it. But it's all Paul Danner. Well, you 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 well, do a good job too. He's but the, pla- I'm saying, like, he's he, the platform. Like he built the platform. No, 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 dear. That's what I'm trying to tell you here. It's not. It's not us at all. No. It's not Dingus over here. Definitely not him. He literally does nothing. It is entirely Paul Danner. It, he mentions the podcast. Right. And <laughs> he's, yeah. he's getting butt hurt. Right. I'll, I'll move on. But I'm saying you you mentioned Paul, um, Paul Danner mentions the podcast. We get a ton of new new yeah. uh, people watching yep. the YouTube content or listening to the podcast. Anyway, some rando. And listens to the podcast, he's like, oh, you guys are all over the place. And my reply to him was like, that's, that's the podcast here. Like, well, but I mean, all... it's like what they have to understand is the podcast is uh, also about us having a good time. And we do this because we enjoy sitting around and BSing. It, and it so is it if, is a if lot. If you go eat with us, us, this is the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's how we start. We started the flip episode number two, dear. Episode number two was us laying out why we were doing the podcast and it was COVID related, but we wanted to sit down and record our stupid conversations. And I was joking yep. around and laughing and doing, having a good mm-hmm. time. And, and yeah, we get into stuff when we can have topics. It's like, that's true of every conversation ever. You get right. into stuff, right? Yeah. And we just wanted to record that. That's, that's the podcast. And I tried to say that without sounding too snarky, but that's like, just listen to all of them. That's, that's what they are. And it's not for everybody. It's not. Some people yeah. like very regimented, like some people like interview style, like your stuff yeah. is very interview style. I'll tell us your story. Me personally, I cannot listen to that. Mm-hmm. And when, when uh, Joe Rogan will sit down and, and tell, tell me your story. I skip over that whole section. Really? <laughs> I, I don't care. I skip over the whole section where they're telling the story and I try to get to, now they're going back and forth and they're jumping on topics because I want to hear that person's opinion on X, Y, and Z. That person is sometimes a subject matter expert and I want to hear what they think about whatever's going on that they're on the podcast for. I don't care about like, well, I went to school and then I went to, it's like, dude, I don't care. So you want the bullet points. No, no, I don't want, no, no, I don't want the bullet points. But, I want the conversation. But see, I want, I want the, the conversation I want the without back, their story. I want the background story because I feel like I just was talking to George yeah. this morning. I said to George, the way I look at it is like if somebody gives me their story, then I lay it all out in front of me as if I like opened that person up and I yeah. look at this and I go, okay, this person had this and this person went through that. And I start to contrive in my head how I expect them to be. Do they fall into a certain category? And this is what we were just talking yeah. about before we yeah. got on the thing. Now, I'm starting to learn there's a lot of people that don't fall into that category, but it's still the way my brain works is I want to know their backstory. Sure. Right? So, yeah, but how the sauce was made. You want to hear about the sauce being made. I don't I don't care. I don't want to D- hear that David, somebody says the sauce is better because they use this type of tomato and this type of pepper. I could give a crap, right? You well, can put it in a different can, slap a Catelli label on it, and I'm going to not probably notice the difference. I, I, is that a good sauce? No, it's not. Oh. I, I, think, <laughs> I think what David does is, is I think that I think he's conditioned himself to believe this way because he's learned how the sauce is made mm-hmm. so many different times and he's seen what's gone into it. You know, we've had a lot of discussions about that. We've talked to a lot of successful shop owners and David's been like, well, if that's what it takes to be successful. I don't think I want to be successful. 
No, right. you come up with your own mess. It's, it's not that. It's everybody. Everybody has a unique story. Everybody's got interesting stories in their background. Everybody does. Everybody. Right. But it's literally everybody. Right. So I don't care. I don't care. I, I just, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's not that it's not interesting. And, and your audience, they listen to the Jaded Mechanic podcast. They like to hear those backstories. They love it. Yeah, absolutely. You get a ton of love, lovely comments from people talking yeah. about how much they like that. That is just something I, me personally, me, just an individual, could not listen to mm-hmm. the backstory portion of it. Now you get into the conversation part. And then you're just here's my yeah. opinion on this. It, and even if your we try to record that, he will and, fall asleep. Yeah. If I if I let it go too far, interview at all, dude will oh, be over here passed out. I've said to you sometimes <laughs> where he goes, like I said to you one time, is thirty two minutes, never and David fallen. never said a, a yeah, thing. Yeah, I never. Fall I said asleep. to Lucas, this was was David still in the room when I was recording? Oh yeah, he was just looking at his phone or something. He, like he'll, he'll be sitting he over there, and so, he's got no, no, fidget I don't, toys. I give him yeah, I'll fidget toys. I really, I find it disrespectful. So I. This pull out their phones and start looking at their phones while they're trying to record a podcast. The story fa- side of it is fascinating to me. I'm not saying me. anything about you. You've never done that. You don't do that. The story side is fascinating because I believe in the idea that people are conditioned to do the things they do in the way they do it because yeah. of conditioning. We're an effect of our environment or a product of our environment. That's why the backstory mm. to me is so important. I, why can, you're I pr- can see that. I just don't believe that to be true. I find that to be a, well, a fallacy. We were talking about that last night and that's, yeah. that's all fine. But I, ju- I just there it, it doesn't make any sense why you would have the son of an alcoholic father um two 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 kids come out of the same household same father same parents they got beaten as children father was an alcoholic ran around on their mom the mom was abused whatever mm, mm. you have this horrible situation one falls into drugs and life is just a shambles and destroyed and the other one becomes wildly successful gets right. everything together sure okay same background yeah so well like you hear this oh that sounds hard one is a story of perseverance the other one's understandable and you're like okay you had a terrible background and that that's why i'm me trying to understand them by their story it's like it doesn't make any sense because it's it's not it's not what happened to you that's in the past it does shape you, but it's what you do with that. Does that make sense? Oh, for it's sure. Like because now I'm in this situation. Uh, I've found myself in this terrible situation. I've had to then like overcome that. And it becomes a story of perseverance. And you can overcome it and this, that, and the other. It, it's just, it, what did you do in the past? I don't care. I don't care what you did in the past. It's what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? But that's why where it's like seek first to understand i have to seek first for why that person is the way they are before i understand why they are the way they are i i, I have seen so many people into the mic dear i have seen so many people who have been through exactly what you just described alcoholic yeah. father mm-hmm. beaten as a child yeah i have seen some that succeeded and i have seen some that came out of it And I have seen consistency in the things that some of those people, in other words, like a brother and a sister, overcome the odds. Yeah. And they succeed, and and their challenge was great. Mm -hmm. I see some people in worse situations where one succeeds and one fails, right, and goes down that path. And then we can say that's about choice. Well, we can. And and so what I... It's always choice there. 
what I've learned about it, though, is that there is often something in the story. There is a point in the story that was monumental. Someone experienced something somebody else didn't experience, and that made them react and respond differently and take actions the other person did not take. Yeah. That, you know, we were, when we were in. But the only thing I would say to that, real quick, is it still comes down to the choice. You, you experience that one thing, the other person doesn't experience it, but at that moment, it's that, it's that split second decision where, okay, I'm, this is it. You see what I'm saying? Like, th- I am now, it's, this is the split in the, in the, I, in I the don't, road. I don't think that it's always like a, a decided split, right? I think sometimes it's, it's, it's a, I'm going to go down this pathway and then I'm going to turn and I'm going to, yeah, know, I might end up in a big, but uh, in retrospect, around around. you read enough of those stories. In retrospect, a lot of them will tell you. Yeah. In retrospect, they think back and go, well, how did you overcome that? They'll go back to a moment. They go, mm-hmm. that was it. Yeah. Rock bottom. And, and I, maybe rock bottom or at least a decision was made. Uh, that decision catapulted their trajectory in a different direction versus where a sibling may have gone in a different path that mm-hmm. didn't end up as well. I, you know, I think it's interesting because I, I we were just in Denver and I could have stood there and watched them take that crane down for four days straight and not done anything yeah. else, right? Like I'm, I'm intrigued by how things work. You're intrigued by the results of the things that work. Yeah, and I think that yeah, that's why that's why I was talking about the podcast. His podcast there, he he wants to break down the individual. He wants to see where they came from. He wants yeah. to hear all he and, and yeah, because you want to see how. I want to see the mechanism behind the clock ticking. I want to shine. I, the, want, the I want to shine the light <laughs> on the commonalities yep. that are between so many of us to why we are the way we are. Well, it's kind of like soft white underbelly, right? Like that whole show is based. I, on I need to do more research on that because I haven't see, watched it. That, that's the thing. Like I don't. I don't want to know why you are the way you are. I just want you to stop being the way you are. <laughs> the way you are. <laughs> But so see, when I ask why are you this way, it's not that. It's I don't want really want to know. I just want you to stop being that way. <laughs> it's only through I wish that I could understand better you, what you went through, why you're the way you are, because that's only going to help me be able to work with you better in the future. You and I have you had believe these, that to you be and true, I, D- David. You and I have had these conversations where I've tried to pick and prod at you to give me some insight as to what you went and through. To, and here's the thing: you just don't believe the things I tell you. Like for example. I tell you, don't take anything I say seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think last night, with last night, he was like, he looked at me with crazy eyes, like I was being serious. Like I wasn't being serious about anything I said last night, most of the things. But you know, like now, I don't. Like, what you know. was it? What was it that you said last night? I, I I came home and I I called Alex and I was trying to tell her what it was you said. About was, I think he asked me like, How, "How's the shop going?" And I went. I was just going on and on about how great it no. was. I was talking about. Reli- and he's like, "Oh, you're being sarcastic right now." I was yeah. like, "Yeah, dude, I'm. I'm absolutely. I hate it. I hate every second of it. It's the worst thing ever. I hate owning a shop. Is wor- you fix it? No, he's cars. not being sarcastic about that. <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic about yeah. that right now. I know. Like Tuesday, tu- I was telling him Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. I'm about to leave out of town. I want to just spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. What did I get wrapped up in? Some BS about a car that we had just fixed breaking down. 
and the lady and I feel for these customers like I don't want the customer to have a bad experience and I they just paid me money for sure and I for me to sleep at night have to feel that I over delivered on what they paid me they paid me x amount I need to feel the value I provided to them is more mm-hmm. if I don't feel that way I feel bad about the transaction and I cannot sleep at night right I, I just can't it's still yeah I can still to this day think of a $125 transaction I had with this gentleman, then we screwed him. We screwed him because we didn't deliver what we were supposed to. It was $125. Trust me. We didn't charge enough for that job. And I told to, the, to this day, the dude's probably dead. Right. To the, he was an old man. To this day, it still eats me up. Still eats me up. And this has been 10 years ago. Yep. Same thing. Same thing. But so when, I need to feel that, that we've over-delivered. And when we screw something up, and we didn't necessarily screw something up, we screwed it up in the sense that we didn't follow specific processes. Well, that's we what I was tra- – and that's why I ask is because I want to know how it's going to know when it, if you had a breakdown, why did it break down? And I don't mean a breakdown in the car. I mean a breakdown in process. Why did the process break down? What yeah, happened? but like I don't, I don't um, talk about that stuff. But that's that's the – when you're dealing with techs, that's how our brains are wired. We are analyzing. Yeah. Excuse me, all the time, right? So have you have you listened to the podcast? Your podcast? Yeah. yeah I've listened to employees are awful. The worst thing in the world. You know what I'm looking for? Have you heard for? mine? Most shop worried? owners are dicks. <laughs> you know, well, you know David what I want? is what he eats. So. <laughs> that was inappropriate. That was wildly inappropriate. Wow. Wildly. Wow. This wow. is what this is the direction this podcast is going. Great. Thank but, you. So <laughs> but you anyway, said anyway, I'm waiting for the robots. What do you I think love the robots the text that listen oh to this podcast? But I'm waiting for the robots. Do, do you remember the Do you remember the post I put up? It was probably almost a year ago, and I showed that tire changing machine. Oh yeah, that's gonna be that, awesome. That did that like it was four robots on the side of the yeah. Grand Cherokee, and the guys bought two of them, put them in a shop, and everything else. And then they can also do brakes, and then also steering suspension, and also some hose installation. I would say like you a can hose installation. That's eighty percent. Does it sting? Does it sting when you think about that? It does. Yeah, that, it does. That's why I'm mentioning it. That's why I'm all salty about it. It does sting. That's exactly why we're talking about it. Dingus. Anyway, the 80% of the operations can be eliminated by the by the robots. And then all the, like, to have actual humans do the work is like. But didn't we just have that thing that was done about like, chat GP where somebody was trying to get chat GP to diagnose a car? And they failed to do it, and the human was brought in, and it was, what, a loose connection or something like that? Yeah, something so dumb. the human would come in just to do Diag. But the chat GP or whatever failed to be even to get to the – it would have had, I don't know, six or seven. I remember seeing the thread. You're six not, or seven parts changed, and it ended up being yeah, like – You're not listening, dear. It's like the Diag would be done by the human. The actual installation would be done by robots like they do in the factories that make these stupid pieces Yeah, but I mean, they, they're, they're disassembled when the robot's putting it together. You can't, there, there's things a robot's not going to be able to get to. You are under, underappreciating the uh, brilliance of some of these. You've robot got a developers. lot of faith in Skynet, mister. <laughs> and I'll tell you that I haven't seen a robot program yet that it's like if I have to pound a 10 mil on, where I'm supposed to be pounding a 12 on because it's so rotten in order to get it off. You can't oh, tell that me that. Yeah. You can't that, tell me that they can write a program or teach the, a robot to be able to do that. That's I think called the, the. It'll be like the Mason Dixon line. Anything south of there, entirely viable. Anything north of there, 
probably need to go back to horse and buggy. Well, then look at Canada. <laughs> Canada's going to have an influx of a whole well, bunch of talent then, because <laughs> Yeah, parts are, changers. You're gonna have a whole mess of parts changers, and they're like, "Hey, uh, our job got taken over by robots, and I don't want to learn how to do diag." <laughs> you look at Fukushima, right? They uh, had robots. They had robots, and that did not work out so well. One, it, yeah, one disaster out of how many hundreds of nuclear plants are out there? No, 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 no. I'm not. Ta- listen, you know, do you think I'm that basic? Do you think that that's what I'm talking about? Listen, I've seen it's not what, what I'm you talking about. Drink and stuff. You're you're not basic. I'm sorry. I I can't even tie it to anything you've done. You're like the guy that thinks <sighs> Skynet is perfect right up until just before it goes over, takes over. No, then it does take over and it destroys everything. That's right. So you were we you can were, all end it. You're cool with Skynet <laughs> till right up to the where. Well, so we I'm we, cool with it all the way through, even through the Terminator. We we talked about <laughs> for great movies. We talked about augmented reality. We talked about and and so the the situation with Fukushima was during the cleanup that that there were things and and it I wasn't you're talking any, like the pump failures. Well, so no no. So you look at Chernobyl, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at what they tried to do with Chernobyl. Well, the technology was not there to put something like that into that deep of a, a radiation or that high of a radiation. Did you watch the movie? It wasn't even uh, the 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 they. They were ignoring the warnings, and nobody wanted to get blamed ta- no, no, for no, no, anything. No, 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 no. I'm, talking, I'm talking about the aftermath, oh. right? Because now we have to clean it up. It doesn't matter what caused yeah, they, it. They can't. Yeah. We, they so, can't so initially, humans. these robots were not were not capable of being in there because they would fail because yeah. of the radiation. Okay. Yeah. So they fixed that with the Fukushima robots. Okay. But the problem was, is there was a massive challenge for these robot operators because it's dark. There's no light. Things are broken, things are falling apart, and they could not navigate the robots to where they need to go. Yeah. But they need to be able to climb stairs, they need to be able to go underwater, they need to be able to route their cord behind them because it's so far away yeah. that radio control doesn't work. Mm. And so like they, they begin to stack up all of the things that are against them. Now, they're the only things that can do this. You send a human in there, they're dead, mm. right? Yeah. But it has to be done. Yeah. So they're working on developing these tools that are able to do that. And, and eventually the conversation was had was like, this may not be possible. We we may not be able to do this. Like they're working through it, but the reality is still to this day. Like there's some things about this that we're not going to be able to overcome. Yeah, there's no way around it. Yeah. it's not going to be able to get here and do this and do this and do that. And mm-hmm. so now all of a sudden you're looking at fifty tools to accomplish one job. And I get it in a case like that because you don't want to kill people, right? But but in a case like a car, it's going to take 20 robots to be able to accomplish one job on a car. Yep. Yeah, and that wouldn't be viable until the robot technology gets cheap enough and it's cheaper just to put the 20 robots in there than it is to hire the human. We're we're all going to be in our 15-minute cities not driving around by that point, Derek. David's right going to be in there with that little bottle of 3-in-1 oil pouring it down the smokestack on the little battery-powered toy. <laughs> <laughs> you had one of those, right? No. <laughs> so they had these like construction equipment, remote control vehicles when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and they would smoke out the exhaust pipe. But for them to smoke out the exhaust pipe, you had to take a bottle of three-in-one oil, and you had to drop oil down in the exhaust pipe. The, it would smoke. You, don't, you didn't want to inhale that stuff. It made your nose burn. The, <laughs> I think it was supposed to be mineral oil, not three-in-one oil. I'm not, I'm not scared of the whole A&I robotic thing at all because it's like I keep going back to that video with those robots on, a, on t- changing tires and that. There's no way that as soon as they've got a pound on over a, a, a swollen yeah. lug nut, 
they're going to be able to, to do it. They're, I don't think that we're going to see it by the time they can figure out to adjust for that, that it's going to be any kind of threat to, to right. what I do as a career. Yeah. Long gone. I don't think it's, I think there's just too many variables that come in every day that we don't even think about. We just adjust and, and, and get through to the problem. That's yeah. what we do. Right. It's, it used to be in a 10 mil. Now it's a nine. I just pound that socket on. I take that sucker off. I go over there and I get the torch. That can, that robot standing on his corner of that Jeep. If all of a sudden that lug nut is just, the stud is spinning. It's come free from the splines of the hub and it's just sitting there spinning. What's he going to do? Is he going to know to stop? He's just going to continue to spin. And then what happens? The other well, then it'll figure out a way. How? They'll get around it. What is he's like? I don't know. I'm yeah, not you got because you still have to have engineer. Like it'll know that it, it takes eleven spins, and if it gets a twelfth spin, there's a problem. It'll throw up an error, and then the operator, because you only have one operator remaining, seventeen of these machines. This is sounding a lot like a self checkout line. Have you ever seen? Like. That's exactly what it'll turn into. Have you ever seen a crash in a CNC machine? So like they're 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 insanely violent, right? It's crazy to watch them. They're 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 yeah. dangerous, and and so I was talking to somebody and he was talking about the fact that like one, just one number, being off, what would be nothing for us, yeah. One number being off just a touch can cause that crash, yeah. And can do a million dollars worth of damage to yeah. a machine, sure. right? Or can cause a fire, or can. Right, and so now I just think about trying to, because it, it still comes back to the same thing. We're inputting data and telling it what to do. Yeah, and so it could know that car. It could know every measurement of that car. It could know everything about that car, yet still not be able to access and move and maneuver without data input. Because even if I, but it's not that binary anymore, though. It used to be that binary. It's not that binary anymore. Now I can learn on the fly. It can, but let's say I pick a car up on a lift, mm -hmm. right? Well, think about CNC. How do they determine where their workpiece is? Well, they have to measure out where the workpiece is. Sure. So they put it in a lathe, and he spins it, and he it's got a feeler on it, and it goes down, and it says, okay, here's where this is at, here's where this is at, here's where this is at. Yeah. Think of the equipment required. So I, I pull a car in, and I put it on the lift. Mm. I pick that car up. Think about how much it has to know exactly where that's at. And then let's say it's got a bad motor mount that the machine does not know about, and it moved the motor over three-quarters of an inch. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, it's saying, this doesn't work. I go up here, and I do this. But I'm trying to take the water pump off. I ended up drilling a hole through the front of the cylinder head because the engine is not yeah, but I, I straight. I think you guys are just not expanding your your minds on the possibilities. That the, the, the difference before and now is that these things learn on the fly and know – that, hey, this is now off, therefore, and it can well, figure something else out because it's a learning. Now, the solution may not be a good solution, but it probably can come up with a solution. Or it may not be the solution that a human would come up with. It's going to come up with a solution. I'm just saying, hey, we should get to this comment. Otherwise, we're going to get off track here. Did we get off track? No, no. The wheels are still on. I like his. I like his optimism. All right. Do you want to read this? No. I don't want to put too much emphasis anywhere. <laughs> Is that how all this started? <laughs> we got the AI yeah. and the viability of robots off of Lucas. Me making some stupid comment about Lucas' radio voice. All right. What was it you said last night? God is not a respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. That's true. Look it up in the Bible. It's mentioned 
over a dozen times, I think. I got to read my no Bible respect more. To, no respect to persons. Okay. I have been all about this podcast for the last year or so, but it's slowly starting to fade just in the sense that it's a repeat combo most weeks. Now, I am personally insulted and I feel attacked by just that one sentence. Because I would too. I would get so bored talking about the same thing over and over and over again. You are definitely uh, not talking about the same thing over and I again. Can, I would, yeah, I will. I would get very bored and uninterested. And so, if anybody wants to know when we talked about the same thing over and over again, listen for the podcast where I said nothing. It's because I had no interest in talking about whatever the hell it is that we were talking about. Anyway, that's not true. I, I realize now why he wanted me to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said, bro. You earned a lot of money. What is a lot? I don't know. What is a lot? You can't argue that these techs are bad at money management. That's a, that's on you. Or this and that when your guys are the exception to the rule. I think that's absolutely not true. I think that there are a lot of technicians. I don't pay my techs what some of these shops are having to pay their techs because they're um, evil. And so I try not to be evil. And therefore, my technicians get a lot of perks that they don't get at some other shops. And they like the environment um, more than they like the extra 10 grand a year. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yep. So I don't think we're the exception to the rule. I just think we take a different approach. But anyway, I digress. I know many guys that pay for their own uniforms. Okay, don't work at that shop and have no benefits. Okay, don't work at that shop. Okay, but the benefits thing is like... I hate when they're like, what are the benefits? You know, let me give you some advice to every technician out there. We don't have a lot of techs listen to this, but they're going to listen because you've been on the podcast, so they're going to listen. Um, if the only thing you can think of in the conversation with with a prospective employer is what are your benefits, you are no different than the, shop, than the customer calling the shop saying, hey, how much to put that water pump in? Mm -hmm. You're not asking, hey, are your, your technicians trained? How much yeah. training do they have? What's your warranty? How do you do your parts selection? What does the repair process look like? Do you do a system repair or are you just swapping in an individual part? part. Yeah. yeah. Those are all great questions that will make you a very good and well-informed consumer to then make a good choice on the shop that you're going to. Asking a shop, hey, what you, what's the benefits? I don't know. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Don't ask me what my benefits are. I don't have a benefit packet. If, and if they rattle off like, well, we have dental, 401k, vision, it's a crappy shop. Why so? Because they have to offer that. They have to. They have. This is such a shit place to work at that if I don't have this long list of shit to offer you, you're not going to oh, want to okay. work here. Right, yeah. Okay. I but understand. I mean, I offer all those things, but I did it because they okay, were things. My, they my point stands. All I'm saying... <laughs> <laughs> all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, don't come at, don't, no, I'm just kidding, it's a joke. The, the, all I'm saying is, don't don't come at the employer like that. You dictate the terms. Mm -hmm. Do you need health insurance? Because a good <laughs> shop owner, what, what are they going to do, Lucas? If I come to you and you really want me to come work for you and I say, hey, listen, I've got a kid who's got a medical condition. I don't want to go bankrupt with this medical condition right. because it's chronic. Yep. What are you going to do? How can I help? What do I need to do? I need to have health insurance. Mm -hmm. Is it a done and done? Mm -hmm. 
It's a done and done. Right. Because that's what you need. Yeah. And you want, and that, that employer wants you to come work for them. It's a done and done. Am I going to offer everybody health insurance just so I can say that we have health insurance here yeah. and not mention that it's a shit health program that doesn't cover anything and costs $8,000 a month. I'm not going to mention that. I'm just going to have to put health benefits, dental benefits, vision plan, 401k, company match, two weeks vacation. Meh, 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 meh. It's, it's not like that. Look, a good employer is going to be flexible enough. Now, I'm not talking about the MSOs. I'm not talking about the MSOs. Once you get to a certain size, that's why you have to be very cognizant of what it is you're going to go walk into. An MSO is going to squish everything down to something that can be scalable and repeatable. Yep. It's got to be the same at every single shop. If I don't, I can't offer Lucas health benefits because he needs it. He's got a sick kid. But I can't offer you health benefits because at this point, you don't give two craps. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be paying $2,000 a month to give you health insurance that you're never going to use because you never go to the doctor. Okay, so it's stupid. But for an MSO, an MSO is going to want to do that and going to because they want to leverage and say, I want to be able to offer health benefits, offer to all my employees, and I need to make this as cheap as possible. So for me, so I need to go out and find the best provider that can give the most benefits, the least amount of money. It becomes scalable at that point, systemized. Okay, that's an MSO. If that's what you want, then that's what you walk into. Just recognize that that's what you're getting. But to say benefits, just benefits. Benefits. He sounds like he's from the East Coast. Okay, let's say <laughs> it's an East Coast thing. I don't think you understand. It's an East Coast thing, like especially the Northeast. We don't have any listeners in Massachusetts. I'm just telling you right now. But in Massachusetts, a good job was, oh man, great benefits. That's all they would say. It's like, hey, how's the work? Is it fulfilling? Is it engaging? Is it interesting? Do you get good pay? Are you afforded a lot of luxuries? A lot of like. A lot of free time and the, no, the great benefits. Oh yeah. Great benefits. Benefits. <sighs> I hate that word. Anyway, <laughs> let's say you make $35 an hour flat rate and work in a dump shop, which probably most in America are. Okay. So we, I own a dump shop. It's okay. I don't think you own a dump shop. It's a carry dump. On, carry it's, on. A, it's a dump. You've been there, haven't you? Mm -hmm. You've seen the shop? It's not it's a dump. It's a dump. It's a sewer dump. What are you talking about? I don't think it's about. Compared to what? Mild shop. Compared, compared to that red barn. Yeah. Compared to the first red barn. The first red barn was a dump? Yeah. In a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah, that wood paneling. It looked nice. It looked homey. It looked nice in the waiting area, but the rest of the shop was a, was in rough shape. Yeah, right. but it still worked, didn't it? It did. Yes, okay. it did. Well, a dump. You know what's a dump? I could, listen, I could show you dumps. <laughs> I could. I, I mean, honestly, I really wish. In in the, bro, I thought we were going somewhere else. In the hinds, <laughs> in hindsight, no, yeah, no, that's just nasty. People that put that on the internet should be shot. I'm sorry. Look at it goes all the way around. But I should have in some of the in in this is not me throwing shade at people I've worked for, but I really in some of the shops that I've been to or worked in, yeah. should have maybe documented a little more of it to for people to see. Uh, you know. I, I wish I had spent more time documenting some of that myself, not just like because I, I didn't work in any other shops, but I've I've been around a lot of shops mm -hmm. and we've toured a lot of shops and and the problem is is then you you share that 
yeah. and you share with somebody like, hey, the experience that somebody else has, well, that person you're sharing that about knows you're talking about. Them. Yes. And and maybe we need to have more of those conversations because if they're treating people that way or if they're putting people in that environment, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but you should probably be a little self-conscious about that because if you don't hear that it's wrong, you don't change. If you don't get called out, right? If it doesn't bother them, then they don't think it's wrong. And they're going to keep doing it. If it does bother them and it's making them a lot of money, they don't care that it bothers them and they'll they'll sleep on their giant pile of money feeling but, bad about themselves. But see, for instance, if you've got to push a car back, put a car back together to push it outside to wait for parts to come in because you're short of hoists, because the hoist is being tied up with a project car that's got so sitting on that hoist that it's now got another car parked underneath it. There's a tarp over top of that second car so the oil doesn't drip on it. And that car and that car are waiting for whatever. Some the most recent ones I've been in didn't have tarps over the car right. underneath. Well, there might be still hope for them. Maybe they're not permanent, permanent. But I, so somebody that mentored me a long time ago, and I share this because he might never hear this. So he moved off and went and started his own business, started his own shop. And I walked in, and he's in the back of a plaza. There's a shop literally across the parking lot from him that his former employer has, mm. and there's a shop right next to him down here. Yeah. It's just a plaza. Yeah. When I walk in, there's four hoists, one in front of the other. Mm-hmm. in the one door. Mm-hmm. Now that's a cluster screw yeah. of how do you yeah, set up? I worked in that for three years. That is the dumbest system you can ever put into a shop is yeah. to put one in front of the other. Unless there's a door that that front one can drive out of instead of having to, it completely screws your logistics for the day. So you walk in one side of the doorway, little tiny, there's no waiting area. The little, it's like walking into a gas station, old time gas station kiosk. That's yeah. where you went in to pay the person behind the counter. Mm-hmm. The other side of that, two hoists set up the same way. You know how many hoists he actually could use? One. Uh, so that's a person, that, and I'm asking him, what's that? There's a 72 Plymouth Cuda on the hoist. But that's not a business owner. That's a hobbyist. No, he was. I, mean, they, well, I understand he owns a business, but I'm just telling you, like, that that's somebody that cannot understand or hasn't considered breaking things down into how much time do I have? How much money is each choice making well, me? You know, you, you go back to that class I taught at Ratchet and Ranch last week. Yeah. Right. What did dude say? That's, that's well, I, uh, there's no way I can push that car out because right. that, it, that car is going to be in there a month. I'm, I'm doing an engine job. I can't push that out on every engine job just right. because I'm waiting on parts. Right. Well, how much revenue did you just consume by stacking the shop full of things that aren't doing anything? And it, it's all wrong and wrong. Like, why aren't the parts there? Why did you start on it without the parts? Like if you have to take it apart because you have, you're doing teardown or whatever, like then you don't have enough diagnostic knowledge to be able to there, save there's, the teardown. Yeah. Or, or there, you're, to save the teardown. In yeah. 80% of cases, I'm sorry, there's just no way you're going to, anybody's going to argue with it. 80% of cases, you can find the problem with a scope. But what I'm, are you doing teardown for? Well, but, because they've got an extended warranty that the warranty company's making them tear the head off of it to look well, at in there before okay. they'll accept that there's a hole in the top of the pistol. Wait, that wait, might wait, be wait, true. Wait, 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 tear down. Even if you tear it down. Uh, you right? can still pull the mother out. No, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. Yes, you can still pull okay. it out. But even if you tear it down, should you not? Because it, it, we're professionals, right? So, so let's say that you need a knee replacement. Mm-hmm. Is that doctor going to go into your knee and say, well, I might not need... All of this. Yeah. Maybe I only take one stitch because what if I don't have to cut it that far open, right? What if I only use this part 
I'll, I'll get it. I'll order another one if I need it. No. What does he have? Right. And so the same thing, when you're talking about going into an engine, if you're going to tear it down, which I, I absolutely do not think is a viable or smart idea. And you know that, and I've jumped all over you over and over again because you paid for it time and time again. Yeah. Don't, don't read on that. It's a terrible and, idea. And so if I'm going to go into that, you don't have to tell I'm going to have either. every seal I need. I'm going to have every gasket yeah. I need. I'm going to have. I'm touching the part, the part's getting replaced. Yes. Exactly. I'm going to have rockers. I'm going to have lifters. I'm going to have the whole gasket kit. I'm going to have a water pump, thermostat, hoses, everything. Everything, everything ready to go. And I'm not, we're not not putting any of those parts on. They're all going on brand new. You know, I got hosed on, don't rebuild engines, but I got hosed. We did a cylinder head job on a, a Toyota 2.4. Yeah. Okay. And he didn't come back in for his first oil change, and he skipped the second oil change. The, the guy shows up in my shop like six months later with the engine just. <laughs> it had a bad cat, so we thought maybe we had a. We, it sounded like a bad cat, you know, when it's rattling oh, around yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Turns out, turns out, we all we did was cylinder heads on this thing. Okay, and we did we put new chains on it, but all we did was cylinder head on this on this pile. Turns out the bearings in the balance shaft assembly. I remember you telling me about this. The, no. ba- the bearings in the balance shaft assembly. This isn't a, I would have seen this. No. And I should have known. Right. No, no. This is a like one-off failure, probably too many oil, like went a little too long on too many oil changes over the 200,000 miles this car was on the road. And that, did I end up eating? Yeah, I ended up eating it. But that that's the kind of thing where like you have to be, you have to be aware that anything and everything could fail. And so yeah. everything gets touched, gets replaced. And that balance shaft assembly would have gotten but, brand new bearings. And and my message to you is if you're in that spot, what you're saying right now is, is oh, that would be too expensive. You could just get a remand engine for exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's just put point. a whole remand engine in that thing. But then we get don't t- touch it. We see the we see the conversations that have happened lately. And who are you buying? Reman engines from because like <sighs> that same name right that we don't that sounds like Casper uh, I've, nobody wants to use them anymore LKQ okay, everybody's happily, got a nightmare story about that somebody no, posted no, no, about no, no, another no, no, brand I, brand I, I, I even I even OE use, parts I'm nervous about yeah it, it's all it everything is fails at the same rate if everything else look if you if we use Jasper engines when we can we try to use them almost always. I try not to use anybody else. The reason, the biggest reason being that I like the the design choices they make in their engines. But at the end of the day, it's just a factory. They're just for, doing factory for, work. There's going to be a failure rate to it. For me, the reason that I use Jasper is not necessarily the choices they make, but the reason that I use Jasper is because of the warranty. And I can absolve myself of part of that liability. It still sucks for it the does, client if I have to do yeah. something. If we have but to go back in there, it still sucks. It doesn't cost us as much. But we can still pay our loyalty, property. That's properly. what I'm saying. Is if you're there's some loyalty to your choice. I buy all my engines from Jasper. The guy comes in. We have a great relationship. We're nice to each other. This, that, and the other. And... Again, I like the design choices they make. Hey, we ba- built a heavier um, the the pistons on five seven Hemi's explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the the six four six two whatever the hell they they explode. I've had them explode. Okay, you buy a Jasper engine. They've they've made the bottom of that piston heavier specifically for that reason. Just things like that. They fix the oil consumption issues, or they have made a design choice. Who knows if it's actually fixed, but. The two five and the two four Ecotech 
junk engines. They have oil consumption issues on certain years. Well, they use a different piston ring specifically to deal with the oil consumption issues. Things like that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you keep buying your engines from Jasper, when you do get hosed on something, especially if you are confident in your insulation process and you're cranking the engine over or at least using a pressurized oiler, we have a pressurized oiler. That's what we use, right? Yeah. Jam it in there, pump that 80 PSI, jam that oil in there. Trust me, you're not going to have a startup, cold startup issue uh, or, or on the first initial crank when you're using a pressurized oiling system. It's like 200 bucks. Yeah. Done and done, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we we have a, a insulation process that I'm confident enough in that I'm not going to have an issue unless there was a flaw in the manufacturing process in which place like uh, in which place like you said you've absolved yourself of some of that liability that yeah i'm going to get paid a little bit i buy the extra protection plan that's rolled into the price i buy the the only thing i don't buy is a rental in the tow i buy everything else i buy the installation kit yeah if i don't like the parts in their installation kit i end up buying the part themselves and i tell them don't use because they they were throwing motor ad yeah, I remember that. Stats, that's like, yeah, junk. No, no, yeah. And so th- things like that. Okay. And so the loyalty then affords you a little leeway on the warranty that they'll take care of you. And th- I think that gets discounted immensely. I think yeah. too many of them because they're like, oh, this one time I installed this Jasper engine and you know, I cranked it with a starter and, and locked it. I was like, dude. And then that one time you never bought again. All you do is shit talk on them online. Yeah. Like you think they're going to take care of you? Hell no, they're not going to take care of you. They could give two crafts. Okay, let's finish this real quick because this is uh, taking forever. You guys talk too much. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's say you're making $35 an hour flat rate and work in a dump shop, which uh, probably most in America are. That's not anywhere near as good as a guy making even 25 and getting a full benefits package. Okay, I agree. Shit, the dealer job I just got offered wants 900 a month to cover my family for just medical insurance. I just talked to a local kid at church about going into this field. I told him truthfully, look, I know guys who spend $150 a week for 25 plus years on the tool trucks. You don't have to do this, but the convenience of them and the warranty will be tempting. Just go be an electrician and work for the local union and you will make more money not have any tool debt or any serious amount of tools beyond maybe 500 bucks and you will get paid for every hour you're there. Hell, maybe even a pension and you won't get the benefits of the union at any automotive job. That's a union guy. That what happens when that pension fund That's what happened belly? to Dutch. I was just going to mention our buddy Dutch. Yeah. Dutch got hosed on his pension. What happened with the UAW? The reason why they had to restructure so many of those contracts, what, 20 years ago or whatever, was because they had fully funded pensions that were going to break the car companies. They couldn't, hey, in 20 years, there will be no money. We All of our revenue will be going towards funding these pensions. We can't keep doing this. They had to stop doing it. Fully funded pensions. Dumb. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) How many techs actually make $100,000 a year? And I know this pisses David off so badly, but seriously, make $100,000 and have to foot the bill for your own benefits is like a guy making seventy five and getting a good, maybe even basic benefit package. That's absolutely right, which is why you need to negotiate this up front. Yep. 
What do you yep. need to take home that cannot be absorbed within the business? Yep. That's why working at a small independent repair shop is a good choice for somebody that needs some of that flexibility. If you need something very cookie cutter, you go to an MSO. It'll, it'll give you a little bit of, um, of um, security going into an MSO just from the revenue standpoint. Um, anyway, nobody ever talks about the stuff, it seems. That's not true. We talk about it in every episode. We talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, we've talked time. about it at least five or six times in the last this month. This is what he says. I've listened to every single podcast and I do still enjoy them, but you guys seem to really stick up for the shop owners over the techs. I hope most aftermarket shops in America tank. <laughs> wow, he's a he bit sounds, jaded, eh? Yeah. Uh, wow. he's, well, he's, what you don't know, he's Canadian. He could give a crap about America. He's like, F those guys in America. Go Canada. He did not hope, say that. <laughs> I hope these cars get so hard to work on. Most people just give up. So then maybe the majority of techs left can finally be taken care of. I also hear the whole, we have a shortage of techs. Now you have a shortage of people tired of taking it up the high hind end to have a mediocre job. They've realized I, it's a waste of time and fled the most to more prosperous ground. I think most of my 63 starting tech classes in 2013, there are only three or four of us left of the 63 that started in this tech class. There's only three or four left. This was what made Compton's podcast appeal so much. He said, shout out to you. And the dude's been ho that the dude's been hosed like most of us his whole career. <laughs> so, you know, a couple things that I want to point out is, is I've watched you and Brian both mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. And, and Brian and I have, Brian has literally called me and said, hey, um, I think I was wrong about shop owners. I think I've got this wrong. And I'm not saying, do we take up for shop owners yet because we are shop owners? Sure. And, and I think us trying to convey to technicians or people in our field. I don't think I stick up for any shop owners. No. I was just talking trash on you just no, like you, 30 he, minutes ago. He definitely doesn't. You right. do. You well, but you're the advocate for. But I, he, I am a realist. I'm sticking yes, up are. for the realism of shop ownership. That it is a grind, grueling, yep. stressful, and and I don't care how much the a technician the business thinks. ownership, not just shop ownership. Yeah, business, the, the business ownership. ownership. I don't know. I care how much the the technician thinks they're going through. I guarantee you, stack shop ownership. And the stress of having to pay payroll and taxes and all that BS and that you take home every single one of those cars with you at night. Yep. You take them home. Yep. And the shop the shop owners that don't are now disconnected from their businesses. They manage off a spreadsheet and they're uh, speaking at Ratchet and Wrench. Whoa. Not all absentee shop owners are speaking at abs Ratchet and Wrench. Yeah. Occasionally they invite some yahoos. To show up and speak when there's no business being there. So I can honestly say that my perception that George and I were just talking about this, mm -hmm. and I was talking about it last night in the unofficial meeting that went yep. till two a.m. in the morning. Thank you, Mario and Martin, <laughs> and and Paul Danner for bringing in the six packs of beer and, and right. sitting in the room till two a.m. Um, my perception as shop owners has changed. Right, you have yep. known me for a long time, yep. and what did I say for the most part? Is there a bunch of greedy? Yeah. Shady. SOBs. Yeah. Uh, can't fix nothing. Yeah. Right. Put the money in their pocket. Got an ex-wife because they had an affair. So they're paying a separation mm -hmm. and alimony or all shit because they just didn't have enough 
activities at work that they had to go and screw it up yeah. and they were slime bags. Yeah. Most and of them, there are And I'm some not of saying those. that I mean I'm not excusing them. But the reality of what I've come to know is I've come to meet you your people more is that there isn't as they exist, but they are not the majority. The majority yeah. are just like when I start to think about the people that I know, mm-hmm. they just are scared to start to charge what they need to charge to bring this industry to where it needs to yeah. go. And so I and what I'm scared of is because being scared is not an excusable thing, mm-hmm. right? When we keep having these conversations, you can only say, I'm scared to do it for so long before yeah. we're still where we are. Uh, we're uh, still in the middle of the technician shortage. Ha- how many times have you seen a badge cam video where they said, well, I was afraid of you <laughs> as they've slapped the handcuffs on them, right? right? It doesn't matter, right? right? Fear and ignorance is not an excuse. So I'm, I'm, Most of them don't recognize that they're afraid. There was, there was a gentleman that posted on in the in the Facebook group, and he was asking about texting customers. Did you see that mm-hmm. post? And he's like, "I'm I don't know about texting customers. You guys really text the customer, and and it, where's he? Where's that coming from? It's it's fear. He's right. afraid of what it'll look like, and he's afraid of making his customers. He's afraid of losing his customers, and it, and it's like, dude. But we can't keep using fear as the excuse for why we're not. Taking but my this point industry. is, you didn't recognize that it was fear, right? That you're, dude, you're just afraid of nothing. This is all in your yeah. head, and most shop owners are like that. They're afraid of of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, I mean, for but me, they don't recognize that they they have that fear. I, I'm I'm trying to be, and I'm much better now about approaching when I, when I see an ex- example of something, and I don't immediately um, blame the tech for being lazy, and I don't immediately blame the shop owner for being greedy. Yeah, but I'm still putting my focus on. Okay, there's a whole lot of people out there saying I'm having a whole lot of conversations. The conversations have been had now. They're not new. It's time to stop being using fear as the reason that you're not cha- making the change, and it's time to now make the friggin' change. Well, y'all just snuck up on me like that. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.